Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you're here. Today is November the 11th. It's a day that is easy for me to remember because of the birthdays of my maternal grandparents. My grandfather, John Akey, that I called Big Daddy, was born on the 4th of July. His wife, my grandmother Grace, Big Mama, was born on November the 11th. So when I was growing up, those were both holidays. Uh, and they were patriotic holidays, both of them were. Independence Day and Armistice Day. Armistice Day commemorated the defeat of the Germans in World War I. And then in 1954... President Eisenhower changed Armistice Day to Veterans Day to honor all veterans who had served their country in the military. And so to begin this morning, I want to take a few moments to give honor where honor is due. I'm going to recognize our veterans, and I'm going to ask you to just kind of hold your applause until we recognized every one of them. I served in the United States Army. So we will just begin with the Army. You served in the United States Army, or are serving in the United States Army. Would you stand right now? Any who were in the Army. Remain standing if you would. All right. Let's go to the Navy. If you were in the Navy or are in the Navy, would you stand? Our Navy. Quite a few. In the balcony as well. Remain standing if you would. All right. If you served in the Air Force, would you stand? Our Air Force. All of those in the Air Force. But last but not least, the United States Marine Corps. You served in the Marine Corps, would you stand? You can always tell a Marine, but you can't tell them much. Well, we also have a Coast Guard. Do we have any who have served in the United States Coast Guard? Anyone at all? Okay, I don't uh, see anyone. Well, let me say this. These people who are standing, these men and women who have served in the United States military are the ones that are um, to be thanked for the freedom that we have to meet right here today. 
And so let you all give them all a hand. Thank you very much. God bless you, men and women. Please be seated. I want to speak this morning on the subject, Good Soldiers. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but if you are a Christian, you are also a veteran. You serve in a different kind of army, but make no mistake, if I understand my Bible correctly, we are all soldiers. Our war is different. Our war is spiritual, but it's real and it's deadly. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, the Bible says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, it is saying to us spiritually, Put on your battle gear because you are in God's army whether you like it or not. And in this war, you can be a good soldier or you can be a bad soldier. The truth is, not every soldier is a good soldier. Those people who were standing with me can tell you that. I would just throw out one name for you, Bo Bergdahl. Not a good soldier. He deserted in wartime. And good men lost their lives searching for a deserter. Not every soldier is a good soldier. Not every sailor is a good sailor. Not every airman is a good airman. Not every marine is a good marine. And in this war that we're in, I'm just going to tell you right now, not every Christian is a good soldier. But I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you personally to be the kind of soldier that God talks about, that Jesus talks about, that the Scripture talks about. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul is encouraging his son in the Lord, Timothy, and he says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You know, it all boils down to pleasing our Lord, the one who has enlisted us in this warfare. But the truth is, we are all enlisted, and what matters is what kind of soldier that you're willing to be. And this morning, I just want to talk for a few minutes about what it takes. What it takes to be a good soldier. In First Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul again is writing to Timothy. Paul is about to come to the end of his life, and he knows it. He is imprisoned in Rome. Nero 
is the Roman emperor at that time. And it will soon come to the day when the Apostle Paul will be taken out of prison and beheaded. And so he knew that his death was near. And so he writes this last letter to Timothy. And he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. And then he said, I have fought the good fight. Wow. Let me give you two thoughts this morning. To be a good soldier, you've got to fight the good fight. About two years earlier, Paul had written another letter, what we call 1 Timothy, to Timothy. And in that one, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, he used these exact words. He said, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Reminding it's not against flesh and blood. This is a faith battle. And uh, the good fight recognizes the real enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Our adversary is Satan. Satan and all of his minions. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we're told to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I think we forget sometimes that Satan is determined to destroy us. He is determined to destroy everything that is godly, to destroy everything that is good. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he is an enticer. 1 Peter 2.11 We're told to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Once again, we're reminded that we're in a war. And, and Satan is our enemy. And he uses the enticement of the flesh. The desire for things that gratify our flesh gratify our mind and we often don't even recognize that when those kind of temptations come into our life we don't even realize that this is a war that's going on and that satan is behind this we just need to remember it and recognize the real enemy he will destroy your testimony I had a good preacher friend pastored what we would call at, at one time the largest church in our fellowship of churches, Temple Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. Just before he took that great church, he was in another large church, a church of about 3,000 in Kansas City. And this was a man who was destined to be a great leader in our fellowship of churches. But he got enamored with a woman in his church. 
and he had a secret affair with this woman. Then later he was called to be pastor of this church of 5,000 in Detroit, Michigan. And then slowly but surely the truth came out because the Bible says be sure your sin will find you out. And to make a long story short, this friend of mine committed suicide. You see, Satan's out to destroy your testimony. He couldn't face the shame that went with the sin that he committed. He will destroy your family. He will destroy your church. Any of you ever been in a church that was having a big old church fight? And remember what they were fighting over? I was visiting with one of our men last night. I was with the uh, uh, having dinner with the uh, uh, older folks, the really old people. <laughs> Have their Thanksgiving dinner here at the church last night, and I was talking with one of them, and he was telling me about the church that he was in before he came here. And he said that that they got this good preacher and. Boy, things were going good, and it was really a good preacher, and the church was growing and growing. It got up to about 250, and they needed more room. And so he got together with the deacons in, in the church, and, and he said, you know, we need more room. We need to build uh, a Sunday school wing uh, to, to help our church to grow. And the deacons said no. We don't want to spend that money on a Sunday school wing. We want to spend that money on cushions for our pews. So we had a group of, he has to tell me, but he had a group of people in the church that all they were concerned about was their own comfort and another group of people that wanted to see the church grow and it split the church. The name of Christ heard in the community. Satan is a destroyer and he leaves People heartbroken and defeated and ashamed. And I just want to remind you that that can happen to any of us unless we recognize our enemy and we're willing to be a good soldier and to stand and fight. The Bible says resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Nothing more shameful than running in a fight, right? Let's let the devil be ashamed for a change. When I was in about the, I think it was the sixth grade, we had a guy in our class, his name was Alvis Martini. Alvis was bigger than all the rest of us because he had failed a grade. He was a country boy, lived out in the country somewhere, and he had a peculiar smell. He was very poor as well, wore raggedy clothes, often barefooted when he came to church, but he had a, a smell that was a combination of burning wood, the wood burn smell, which is not bad, but body odor with wood burning smell is very peculiar. And because his last name was Martini, we had a name for him. We called him Alvis Marstinky. But we didn't call him that to his face because... He could mop the ground with every one of us. 
Well, I crossed Alvis Martini one day. It was my time to be the captain at, in recess. And we always chose up sides for softball. And he came up to me and said he was going to be the pitcher. And I said, no, I'm going to be the pitcher. And he said, I'm going to be the pitcher. And I said, no, I'm going to be the pitcher. I was the captain. So I got my way. I pitched. Then when recess was over, we went back to class. In a minute, I got handed a note. Now, I sit over on this side of the class, kind of up front. He sits over on this side of the class, kind of in the back. And he gets this note and passes it and passes all the way up the class to me. And you know, notes, everybody that gets it looks at it and reads it. <laughs> By the time it got to me, half the class already knew what it said. And what it said was, when school's out, I'm going to whip your you-know-what. Well, that put the fear of God in me. I mean, I was terrified. And so, I couldn't even think from then on. I mean, the rest of the day, all I could think of was for that last bell to ring. And so, finally, my strategy was this. I'm going out that door so fast, it'll make your head swim. And I'm going to run for home. Because I knew that Alvis rode the bus. He couldn't run very far or he'd miss his bus. So if I could get out ahead of him and get far enough away, he couldn't catch me. Which is exactly what happened. You know, man, I got out and I ran. He chased me for a while, but he had to quit. He had to go back. So I didn't get whipped. Well, I went to school the next day, and I found out there's something worse than getting whipped by Elvis Martini. And that is the humiliation of everybody knowing that I ran from the fight. Because the word was already out. And everybody's laughing at me. And I'm sitting there, and if I would turn and look at somebody, they were already looking at Well, they'd turn their head, you know. And, boy, I, I was at a place where, what am I going to do? So I wrote a note to Alvis. And on the note I wrote, at recess, I'm going to whip your... But here was my thinking. His note terrified me. Maybe my note would terrify him. <laughs> so I passed the note. And the note goes back, and everybody reads it. And when it gets to Alvis, he opens it up, and here's what he did. <laughs> he just smiled and looked at me, and I realized right then he was not terrified. That note didn't mean a thing. So when the bell rang for recess, everybody couldn't wait. So I went to the bathroom because I knew something was going to get beat out of me and I wanted to <laughs> make sure I didn't wet my pants.
while Elvis is beating the tar out of me. So when I come out, then they're all lined up out there, and there's Elvis, as big as he always was, bigger even. Now, I know how to fight. I had an older brother a year older than me. Anybody that has a brother that close, you know how to fight. And so I just walked up to him, and I said, okay, Marstinky, here I am. And I let him have it. I caught him in his left eye. I mean, I hit him with everything that I had. And he almost went down, but he got, and then we went at it. Me and Alvis Martini went at it. We fought, we kicked, we scratched, we punched. It just went on and on and on and on and on. Till finally, one of the men teachers finally got over to it and pulled him off of me. got us up and held us up and he says all right who started this and Elvis pulled out my notes <laughs> and handed it to him so I was in trouble but you know what I looked at Elvis his nose was bleeding and his eye was swelling up and I knew I was bleeding I had blood all down the front but I looked at him And it was awesome. <laughs> the thing that was awesome about it was I lost that fight to Alvis Martini, but he never messed with me again. You know, it's kind of like the dog and the skunk. Everybody knows a dog can whip a skunk, but it ain't worth it. I lost that battle, but I won that war. And I learned something that day. And that is you don't quit. We may have fought for 10 minutes out there, but I never did quit. I just kept fighting. I just kept fighting. I just kept fighting. We have an enemy who is spiritual. An enemy who will kill us if he can. An enemy who will destroy our testimony. He will destroy our family. He will destroy our church if He can. And He will destroy our life if He can. And so don't quit if you happen to lose a battle. Because that's not the end of the war. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we lose a battle. But the war is not over. And so we're just supposed to get up and keep fighting. The little poem that says, I'm wounded, said the soldier. Wounded but not slain. And so I'll lie and bleed a while, then rise and fight again. Doesn't hurt to bleed a little when we get wounded. It doesn't hurt to bleed a little when the Satan wins a little battle over us. But what does hurt is if we give in when we get hurt and say, that's it, I'm done, I can't win. Just keep on fighting the good fight until the war is over. And it will be someday. And that brings me to my second thought. First of all, fight the good fight and keep on fighting. And second is finish fearlessly. 
In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. As spiritual soldiers, we should not fear death. In the war against the soul, we might lose our physical life, and many people have. Two weeks ago, nine Christians in Egypt were coming from a baptismal service, and all nine of them were murdered. People lose their physical lives sometime in this battle. And speaking metaphorically, the Apostle Paul, here's how he viewed death in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. Departure. Spoke of death as a departure. And it's the Greek word, analeo, and it's a nautical term which has a, uh, an actual meaning of, of a ship loosing from its moorings. Uh, the ropes are turned loose so that the ship can go. And he's using that terminology concerning death and calling it a departure. And, and in essence says, there's just coming a day that I'm going to depart. And then he said, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For I am hard pressed between the two. That's living and dying having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. There's no reason to fear death as Christians because guess what? We don't really die. When you get saved, you've been given eternal life. John 10, 28, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Now, my body is going to die someday. But I'm not going to die. I'm never going to die. I'm never going to perish. I have been given eternal life. So, it's just a separation. A separation of the body from the soul. The real me, the real soul, real Rick Blue, when this body dies, I just depart. I just move out. I tell you, kind of a humorous little thing. Two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a memorial service for one of our great ladies in this church, Christine Thomas, who served 30-something years with our little children. And uh, she passed away, and I was doing her service, and, and uh, I was making this very point that we don't really die. We just physically depart from this body, and we leave this dead body here on this earth. And so all the family is sitting right here in this front row, and one of the grand, I think it was a grandson, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old down here, and... I am making that point in this memorial service. And I, I, I said this. I said, you wouldn't want to live in a dead body, would you? And that little boy down there said, no. <laughs> and I about lost it. I don't mind telling you. 
But that's true. We don't want to live in a dead body. When the body dies, there is something that is far better. So we don't have to fear those that can kill the body. If that's one of your fears, if I'm fearful of it, oh, I'm fearful that that a burglar's going to break into my house and kill me someday. Get over it. The truth is, it really doesn't matter how old we are when we die physically because we're not dead. Because we immediately go to be with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so here's the thing. How you fight and how you finish will reveal what kind of spiritual soldier you are. And there is a great reason to finish as a good soldier. Jesus is speaking in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, and he says this, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto your physical death, and then you're going to meet your commander. You're going to meet the commanding general of God's army, and that's Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen on television a Medal of Honor ceremony? An awesome thing when someone who deserves it is brought to the White House and there the President of the United States pins that medal on that soldier. And it is always for valor above and beyond the call of duty. If you were to stand before Jesus Christ today, you look down into your heart and your soul and ask yourself, Am I serving Jesus Christ above and beyond the call of duty? One day Jesus said, If all you've done is just your duty, say I'm a poor Christian. Jesus Christ came into this world, the Bible says, to save sinners. But in order to do it, he had to go above and beyond the call of duty. He had to go to the cross of Calvary and there suffer the shame of that ignominial death so that I wouldn't have to and so that you wouldn't have to. You see, he was the first great soldier of the cross. One of these days, our war will be over. Every one of us 
going to stand before our supreme commander. And so the question is, what kind of soldier are you? And if you look into your heart and your very soul and you know that you're not the good soldier you should be, the good news is you're still here. And the good news is the battle is still waging. And the good news is that you can get up and stand up and be the kind of soldier that Jesus Christ would have you to be. And I challenge you today to be that kind of soldier, that kind of Christian. Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, for this awesome reminder of who we are and what we are as long as we're here on this earth and that we have an enemy and it's not some person. It is the devil himself. It is spiritual wickedness in high places who's determined to ruin our lives, ruin our testimonies, ruin our families. Help us to recognize the need to be good soldiers. Father, if there are any today that have fallen, may they get up and re-enlist today and fight the good fight of faith so that they might finish fearlessly. For Jesus' sake, amen.